Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach into the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, Dr. Jared Bumpers joins me back in the studio as my co-host. Today, we'll discuss one of my books, Discerning Your Call to Ministry. Dr. Bumper serves here at Midwestern Seminary as Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism as directing the FTC cohorts here on campus. Jared, welcome back to Preaching and Preachers. Yeah, excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, look, it's always fun to be in the studio with you and to record these podcasts uh, for our listeners. And to our listeners, know how much I appreciate your partnership, uh, you prioritizing this, this program. I'm often amazed when I look at our listenership and uh, how many folks are tuning in regularly and downloading these podcasts. And so thank you for that. It's the gift of your time. And it's a stewardship that, that we feel we have and we want to carry out in the most faithful way possible to our listeners, such as yourself. So today we're in the studio, Jared, and you're really going to lead the conversations. We talk about the call to ministry, especially identifying the next generation of preachers. And uh, I gather you're going to shape the conversation from my book that came out a few years ago with Moody Publishers, Discerning Your Call to Ministry. So with that, I'll let you take it over. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're going to talk about call to ministry and, and those who are listening, many of you either you've been called to ministry since God is calling you into ministry and have taken steps. You're serving in ministry now. Others of you are maybe contemplating ministry and maybe feel like God is directing you towards ministry. And so to start off the conversation, would love, Dr. Allen, for you just to reflect on your own call to ministry. And so talk to our listeners about how you discerned God calling you into vocational ministry. Yeah, thank you for the question. It's always sweet to reflect on God's work in one's life. And for me, that call to ministry really, really came together in a clear way, a final way, an ultimate way almost exactly 25 years ago. And it is amazing how the years fly by and do the decades fly by. But uh, I was a young man, grew up in a Christian home in a Southern Baptist church context, a, a rather large Southern Baptist church in Mobile, Alabama, uh, the church named Cottage Hill Baptist Church. And the church I grew up in, the call to ministry was, was an active part of congregational life. So you would often hear from the pulpit or during the invitation times, a call to surrender to ministry, surrender to ministry. And also, like, you know, I remember as a teenager being there, and you know, after, say, student camp, you might have, you know, scores of kids baptized, dozens of kids baptized, and often, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 young men, you know, stand up and say they sense a call to ministry. And I remember, I remember watching them as a teenager wondering, man, okay, that's intriguing. Like, how do you know? How would one know? And I was kind of wondering, well, how many of those are going to actually, like, be in ministry in 10 years? You know, yeah. That sort of thing. But for me, I was more of a, an onlooker to those dynamics than a participant, as a teenager, I was not a believer. I was not following Christ, generally living an outward moral life, but, but not pursuing Christ. Boom, my freshman year in college, I give my life to Christ. And what begins to happen to me between my freshman year in college and my junior year is this ongoing desire for the ministry, this expanding desire for the ministry, and this increasing awareness like what ministry is, what it entails, what a call to ministry uh, looks like. So for me, in those early months, it was just like me doing Christian things, going to Bible studies, uh, sharing my testimony, you know, engaging in ministry activity. And then I began to be delegated some assignments, teaching a Sunday school class, preaching in some halfway houses. And again, not knowing real time that that was leading towards ministry. To me, it was just a passion that I was getting to honor Christ and serve Christ in that way. And then I was really the wrestling at this juncture, Jared, because I, I found myself really like longing for the ministry, desiring mm -hmm. the ministry enjoying the ministry, but feeling as though one ought not desire the ministry, pursue the ministry. And uh, for me, it was back to that phrase, surrender to ministry. That had really confused me as to what I should be processing. A friend of mine pointed me to, uh, to two resources. One was 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, 
if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Mm. Aspiration, desire. Yeah. Hmm. This is not only acceptable, uh, this is essential. Yeah. And then the other resource was Spurgeon's Lectures to My Students, where he talks about the first sign of a call to ministry is an intense, all-absorbing desire for the work. So I went in a really matter of weeks from thinking of this yearning for the ministry was unhealthy, perhaps sinful, to understanding not only is this acceptable, this is essential, and this perhaps indeed is indicative of a call to ministry. About that time, you have people in my life who love me, mentors, pastors, folks like Steve Lawson, who you know, and others really seeing that in ministry, give me further opportunities for ministry, and then inviting me actually to step into, you know, employment-type ministry roles my senior year in college, and we were off to the races then. Yeah, that that's so helpful, and you know, for for those who are who are listening, they've had that that experience, or they're around others who may be having that experience. And so, I'd love to hear you. I know you speak a lot. You know, you're preaching regularly, and you you have somebody who comes up, a young person, a young man, come up and say, "I I think I want to do what you do." I may be called to ministry. How would you counsel that person in that moment? And then maybe their pastors will come back to this probably more later on. But how would you counsel their pastors to have that conversation with a young man who expresses a potential desire to pursue ministry? I think, first of all, every pastor, every minister needs to always be on the lookout, have their eye up and around, looking to see within their church who God may be calling to ministry. Additionally, I think every minister not only needs to be on the lookout, they need to be really raising the voice of the call to ministry, their own voice from the pulpit, repeatedly, frequently, just as we talk about pursuing Christ uh, through profession of faith and repentance and faith in Christ, through baptism, through church membership, we ought to probe the congregation regularly about a call to ministry. So that's not like some far out, only, you know, like, like, like you know, a person— pursuing monastic orders would pursue. No, this is like God working the life of the church. He's calling out people to ministry. And so you talk about that. So I think on the one hand, you're first, you're looking. Second of all, you're probing. And then thirdly, I think you are assigning. And by assigning, I mean you actually are giving individuals, young men especially, who are demonstrating either the gifting of ministry or perhaps demonstrating the gifting of ministry, giving them some opportunities just to teach. And you don't have to say, hey, Jared, I think you're called to ministry. You're filling the pulpit next Sunday. It could be, no, hey, I'm going to be out of town in three weeks. Could you teach the Sunday school class? Or the, or the, you know, the, the college and career class needs a, needs a substitute teacher. Can you fill in? Or can you lead this junior high boys Bible study? So you're giving some opportunities there. And then as you're doing that, the, the, the one you're giving these to, they may say this is just a one-off event or, or something they're filling, you know, filling, filling a gap for short term, but you are seeing that as a season of, of evaluation. And then again, you can be more active then if, if what you're seeing is encouraging and disciple more and then begin to have talks about the call to ministry. Give them a resource. For instance, the book I just mentioned, Discerning Your Call to Ministry or some of the other works out there that are very helpful. And so you can begin to whet that appetite. And look, you don't want to like drag someone to ministry, but at the same time, you don't want to be unalert to God's calling someone to ministry. And for me, there were some strategic conversations with men, some I knew, some I didn't know that well at all, saying, hey, Jason, we see God's work in your life. We see gifting. We think God may be calling you to ministry. You should pray about that. Those were helpful conversations. Indeed, those were those for me were life-changing conversations. And so I'm, I want to be on the lookout. I want to be probing, and I want to be strategically delegating and assigning and then I also, within those conversations, want to be really honoring the call to ministry in general. This is not like a, um, you know, a death sentence you're signing up for. This is not some life of misery you're going to have to, again, back to that phrase, surrender to. Hmm. 
But no, this is a glorious calling. This is an exhilarating calling. It, it, is, it is precisely where you want to be and what you want to be doing if indeed God has tapped you on the shoulder and he's setting you apart for his work. Yeah. One of the things that, that I appreciate about uh, Midwestern's culture in general and, and your leadership in particular is just the the optimism of ministry and the positivity and the blessing of ministry. Oftentimes when other people talk about ministry, it's, and I have to do this, it's so hard, I, and and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And there, again, ministry can be hard. You do see pastoral burnout. But man, it's a noble task that God has called us to. There's joy and obedience and faithfulness and uh, preaching and teaching the word rightly. And so I appreciate that that positivity and optimism and reminding young men, hey, this is a noble task. You've mentioned a couple things, and I'd love to hear you kind of tease this out for us. You know, you mentioned a, an internal desire. So you have this kind of internal component, I want to do this. And then you talk about other people kind of affirming it. What, what are some things, if you're going to list or categorize, here's how you know you're called to ministry. What are some of those things? Internal call, affirmation, yeah. walk us through that process. So there are different things you're looking for. First of all, you are looking for an internal desire. And that may be budding. It may be fledgling. It may be just beginning. But, but there's increasingly an interest in, a, a desire for. So again, I grew up in, I mentioned my, my background in, in middle school, high school. You know, I made acceptable grades. I, mean, I generally made A's and B's, but I was not a bookworm. I mean, I was an athlete and would kind of cram the night before a big test or, or just kind of go in to take tests without studying at all and kind of do the A-B thing and, and pop out a casual C2. Then in college, I began to get more serious about life because I was thinking law school and I began to focus on grades and my grades went up at that point as a political science major, history minor. But man, when I began to be called to ministry, I mean, the lights came on. And I kicked it in high gear. And I don't merely mean ministry preparation, seminary studies, though I did. I just mean reading voraciously, Mm. wanting to study a text voraciously, a level of givenness to focus, to study that I had never known in my life. And that was really linked to that call to ministry, that the Word of God was real and alive in my life, and I was eager to know it. So you're looking for a passion, not just for for the work, Mm. ultimately, proclamation, but, but a passion for the process along the way. You know, not just for the public aspects, the parts that seem to be more attractive, but but I believe a growing desire for the work in general, including study. Secondly, you're also looking at First Timothy three; uh, these character qualifications have to be there. And we are not self-authenticators. We do not want a self-authenticating ministry. We should be alert, though, to First Timothy three and understand this is a part of God's criteria. And if you are called to ministry, the character expectations will will be present as well. And not just your self-assessment, but a local church, elders, pastor, as they assess you, they will see that in your life as well. And by the way, that is not just a one-time threshold to cross. That is an ongoing accountability to God's Word and to God's people, okay? Mm. I think then thirdly, what we're looking at is indeed that congregational affirmation. Does the church see you as a minister? Do they sense God's call in your life? So much so, are they willing to actually put their imprimatur, their affirmation on that call to ministry? Then I think you're looking at some other aspects as well. Clearly, gifting's a piece of this, to teach and preach the Word of God. Again, that's part sense. That's part the church seeing and affirmed. You're seeing uh, kind of fruit-bearing in ministry. Is there a heart for the Great Commission? Uh, is there a heart for making converts? Do you find yourself increasingly loving the people of God? I mean, if you're a porcupine and, and you think they're porcupines, then you may not be called to ministry. But if you see them as people who are lovable and God's family, and yeah, they will have their warts as well, but generally there's a heart of compassion for them and desire for them, that's a pretty good indicator. So those are all kind of key points, some more important than others. If you're married, obviously uh, the spouse, and if you have children, the children, that picture also sheds light on the calling, and is, is the spouse bought in or not? 
that's helpful. If you're listening, you're thinking about ministry, or if you're a pastor listening and you have people who are interested in ministry, those are some helpful components to walk through with aspiring uh, young men. So once someone senses a call to ministry, in one sense, this question is going to be a softball because I know you're going to talk about seminary and rightly so. My favorite kind, Jared, my favorite kind of questions. <laughs> this is a softball. But once a young man senses, I think God is calling me to ministry, what are some things that he can do to prepare to take on that God-called task of, of ministry? Yeah, well, look, I, I obviously talk about seminary a lot. And uh, before I get to that now, I just want to take a previous step and say, look, there are many faithful ministers out there who've never been to seminary church history past, and current contemporary ministry context present, and no doubt in the future as well. So the point is not you have to have a similar degree. The point is that you need to be optimally prepared. Optimally prepared. Both those words matter. Typically, for most of us, optimal preparation would include some conservative, evangelical, theological institution like Midwestern Seminary. Depending upon your stage of life, your calling, your geographical context, whole host of variables that may lead to you moving to campus or not, the type of degree you pursue, and so forth. So there's flexibility there. I'm really not a legalist about this. But I am insisting on optimal preparation. I'm not a legalist about, you know, it has to be Midwestern Seminary, but optimal preparation. But before you get to figuring out whether or not you want to enroll in an MDiv degree, I, I think what you need to be doing is, is developing very quickly, and I trust naturally, basic study habits. And this is where, for, for many of us, stepping into ministry is not just a spiritual leap to take, but it's also a step of real personal maturation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when the Xboxes need to be put on the shelves and you need to be breaking open biblical commentaries and theological books. Mm-hmm. And it is this step into it. And part of that awareness is I'm, I'm undertaking some of this very consequential. It's the Lord's work. It's a glorious work. I want to give my best. Christ gave his best for me. I want to give my best for him. And so there is a focus, there is a discipline. And so even at that pre-seminary stage, an intentionality to, to read God's Word, to study God's Word, to intentionality to begin to practice the spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and worship and, and so forth. And then also, though, the intentionality to be reading quality books. Now, you got to be careful. When a person becomes a believer, sometimes people give them you know, 38 books to read, and, and, and wait a minute, they'll like, forget to read the Gospel of John. And so you, you don't want to, to do that. But if a person is, is now pursuing ministry or, or at least contemplating, there should be a, a level of spiritual development that they are engaged in their Bible study, but they also can have other entry points, other portals of rich spiritual content to take in. And so that's where you're looking at, again, key biblical studies, especially textual studies, commentaries, and really classic works of theology and uh, basic contours of church history, perhaps a book on preaching or two, those sorts of things, then that will further, I think, stoke the flames for ministry in your heart. So as that's taking place, a couple of things happen. First of all, you further clarify your call to ministry if, if that's invigorating to you. Second of all, that really is preparatory, not just for ministry, it is, but also for seminary. Hmm. And so when I went to seminary, I did not have an undergraduate degree in like biblical studies or, or ministry like many of, of my colleagues did or contemporaries did who went to a, you know Baptist colleges. That was not me. But when I was called to ministry junior year, so my junior year, my senior year, and then one year between college and seminary, I was reading like crazy quality books. And so I did not, you know, I went to seminary having never taken a Greek or Hebrew class before. But I did go to theology and church history and preaching other classes, and I had not taken those classes, but I'd read many of the books that we would be reading in those classes. Yeah, I think that's helpful as young men think about ministry. Those are training, reading studying seminary, and you already mentioned godliness, them, them pursuing godliness, and uh, so I think that's helpful. And then, like, when I stepped into the seminary context, there were basic disciplines that I recultivated. 
their interests are already cultivated. But similar to me, it came to me in a structured way. So it wasn't just me reading around my avocations or interests, but it was structured and it was the full complement of work I needed, that MDiv degree. And so that's why seminary preparation, one reason why it is really essential, because it brings structure, it brings cohesiveness, it brings comprehensiveness to what one needs to be prepared fully for ministry. And look, the reality is, you know, you just can't on your own study with Patrick Schreiner and Jason DeRoshi and Matthew Barrett and Jared Wilson and Jeff Chang and Jared Bumpers, and the list goes on and on. So if you're listening, you're wrestling with seminary, you feel cold. Wrestle no more. Wrestle no more. Jump in and pursue pastoral training. You know, you mentioned, you hinted at this earlier, you know, guys sometimes feel called to ministry. You talk about the eight to 15 guys that come forward, and then for one reason or another, they don't make it. And uh, sometimes it is a moral failure. Sometimes it's not. They just, for whatever reason, ministry doesn't work out. But sometimes there are guys who feel called to ministry. They even go through the training. They're involved in a ministry service. And then they end up disqualifying themselves. And so would love to hear you as, as you think about, okay, young men, your field called to ministry. What are some common pitfalls that those who are called to ministry need to watch out for? So this could be a problem in my life and my ministry if I don't keep a close watch on my life and my ministry. Yeah, so let's put these in three different categories. Number one is the category of the person who just wasn't called to ministry. And that, that should not come with it like a sense of defeat. And sometimes, you know, again, here on the campus, every now and then you'll have a student that's a part of their studies. They realize, man, I don't think God's called me to actual ministry. And hmm. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to complete my degree, but I'm probably going to be more like a bivocational or just like a really faithful layman. And so if a person clarifies their call and discerns that God's not calling them to be a pastor, but to be a faithful layperson, like, I don't think that's defeat. I think that can be a sweet and healthy thing. And so, you know, that, that's okay. The second category is, is the person who just flames out morally. Okay, and that's the opposite. That, that's tragic. That's the person who has permitted or fallen into some sort of grievous sin. And so they may have went to seminary three years or, or seven years or 10 years, or they did a couple of degrees. And uh, the longer they have been in ministry and the more they've invested in ministry and uh, the bigger their family is, all that, usually the more tragic that is. So those are the two kind of two extremes of that. The middle is the person who is called to ministry, has not morally failed, but just some impediment has popped up along the way to make ministry either undesirable or unattainable. And usually those are practical things like the spouse is no longer on board or the spouse was never on board. Or they got into a financial mess and they're trying to dig themselves out. Or they just gotten really kind of encumbered by the concerns of the world. Sometimes it's recreational matters. And again, recreation is good. We all need to uh, to recreate. But sometimes it's guys that are so into hunting and fishing and golf or whatever that, that ministry has just kind of been crowded out. And so that middle category, the ones where you know the battle really is and they're called, but, but there's there's a temptation or perhaps the potential to drift. I think that's where healthy accountability comes into play. A real closeness with one's spouse is essential. Having a collection of elders around you who know you, who love you, can speak into your life and you into theirs is essential. And then just having sanctified common sense. Okay, if we're going to seminary or starting ministry, we probably don't need to buy a new SUV. We gotta, we gotta finance. And again, some of it is obvious in common sense, but the longer I live, the more I realize common sense isn't always that common these days. Let's make prudent decisions. And so again, sanctified common sense is often essential to actually launch successfully in a ministry. Yeah, if you don't mind a personal anecdote here, three years ago, I was on the phone with a young man who was not sure he wanted to come to seminary, he was talking about coming to Midwestern, and his hang-up was, I don't know what I'm going to do with my bass boat. And uh, I said, brother, if Jesus has called you to ministry, you need to sell your bass boat. 
and he sold his bass boat, came here. He's graduating in May, is taking a job, served as a reference for him, taking a job outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And so exactly what you're saying, those people are kind of wavering and pu- push them towards faithfulness and obedience and uh, doing whatever's necessary if God has called them to prepare for ministry. You mentioned this earlier, uh, and so I'd love to just kind of close on on this. Those of you that are listening, your pastors, you're working with with young men, and so how can pastors, they're preaching, encouraging young men if God is calling them to ministry to embrace that desire. What are some other ways that they can encourage those young men who feel called to ministry, preaching opportunities, maybe recommending resources, uh, inviting them into staff meetings? What are some ways that they can start pouring in that next generation of young men. Well, I think you just mentioned several. First of all, man, there's always a retirement home somewhere looking for a Sunday afternoon devotion. There's always a prison somewhere looking for someone on Saturday afternoons to preach. I mean, and for that matter, most churches have some sort of midweek Bible study, prayer meeting, something that, that needs someone to preach or teach. And giving these young men particular opportunities. Okay, in two weeks, this is your text. Here's how you study the text. Here are a few commentaries. Let's meet two or three times between now and your preaching date in two weeks and work through this. And on the backside, to give them constructive feedback. I think, you know, again, one way to teach is to say, hey, let's go to Starbucks at 6 a.m. and let me tell you about ministry. And that's not a bad way. Another way is to say, hey, come with me as I do a hospital visit. Hey, come with me to this deacon's meeting or this elder's meeting. Hey, come with me to this member's meeting. Hey, come with me to this pastor's retreat, this pastor's workshop. And I, I just like the, the come-along method better than I like the every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. method. And as you do that, what you'll find is the church will be blessed and you will be rewarded because you're, you're getting the, the joy of seeing a Timothy rise up. And oftentimes, yes, you're investing in them, but the investment you get back, the return you get back from that investment often is really strong. And even in ways that complement your ministry that now you do have a, a couple, a stable of substitutes when you need to be out. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Allen, so much for for giving us some wisdom and insight on discerning your call to ministry, helping others discern their call to ministry. It's been a fruitful conversation. Hey, it's been fun. Thank you, Jared, for joining me in the studio. And listeners, thank you for uh, being with us again. We'd love for you to check out Midwestern Seminary or Spurgeon College. If you do have further questions about seminary or ministry preparation, my book, Discerning Your Call to Ministry with Moody, or my book, Succeeding at Seminary with Moody Publishers as well. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.